morning, Freedom Center. Good to see you guys. It has been an exhausting, glorious, wonderful week of loving kids. As Dina said, 300 kids or, or more every night and over 100 adults. Can you imagine that? I remember the, the days of VBS where it was like three old ladies with blue hair buns and folding metal chairs in the basement and flannel graphs of Moses and Pharaoh. And this team put on a production that you, you think you're at, like if Disney and the Apostle Paul had a baby, um, it, it, I guess that's Nickelodeon, but whatever, whatever it was, it's just, it was an amazing week. And to watch, to watch a room full of kids worshiping, quoting scripture, having fun, laughing, not a single injury. I'm talking about the staff, not even the kids, not a single injury. A couple of boo-boos, but, you know, that, that would have happened at home. But just what a great, great week. Thanks so much, guys, for, for loving people. How many guys know that they, they can question doctrine? We can all question motives. We can, but, but when you love kids, how many guys know that the umpire who called that strike a ball is a good umpire when it was your kid up to bat? I'm just saying, right? So I want to thank Pastor Ian for bringing the word last week while I was in Traverse City, preaching at a church up there. He did an awesome job. And how many guys know that any message that makes you want to not eat is a good message? So I know some of you talk to me like, man, I'm challenged. Wednesday, we're fasting. And so thank you for that, Pastor Ian. Today, we're going to get back to our subject at catechism. And you know, on Mother's Day, it's always Proverbs 31, a virtuous woman, and here's flowers, and we love you. Today, because of Father's Day, we're going to talk about sin. Um, because that's, that's where the schedule of our catechism falls into. So I, I hope you felt blessed. Lyndon, I hope you know that we're, we're glad you're with us in Pontiac, Mississippi, and Grand Blanc Campus. I hope you know that. But, but today we want to get back to kind of the rhythm of our summer seminar, which is something we just reached back to, the catechismo of, of, our, of our childhood that comes back to say, what, what is it? If, if the world asked us a question, how would we answer that? And so the question today is, what is sin? What is it? And, and before you think it's them, be careful because it might be us. And, and more specifically, it might be you. And more specifically, it might be me. I, I don't care if it's jokes up or not, Pastor Kim. Just do what you got to do. So here we go. You ready? So what if someone asked you what is sin? I, I want to help us to understand the answer to that question. Sin comes from a lot of different places. Genesis chapter 3. Do I seem loud today? I seem loud. How many of you guys think I'm too loud? I mean, just in general. Okay, turn me down just a little bit, guys, if you wouldn't mind. So uh, sin in Genesis chapter 3, the, the serpent comes and says, hey, God's got a way, and he's told it, he's made it plain, he's made it clear. All this is yours, just don't, don't eat this. But I think he's keeping something good for you, and there's a better way to live. That's kind of the root of, of all sin is God has prohibited, and God has blessed, and God has declared, and God has commanded, but we just say, oh, that's good for God. But I, I think I have a better way. Like, that was good, but that's so last Friday. Today it's Monday. And if you've seen social media, things have changed. And so we decide to go away from what God has instructed us to do into the things that we feel best for us. Another way that, that we can uh, see sin is, is there's just no fear or respect of God. We talk about in Proverbs, all over the Proverbs again and again, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of, of knowledge and wisdom. Both are true. So understand this, guys. There's, there's this thought that, well, again, God you know, has his ways, but man, I'm young. Well, God has his ways, but man, I'm, I'm mad. I mean, God has his ways, but man, I'm single, you know? And, and in that, we can arrive at a conclusion because we, 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 we don't respect that he is right and his words are true. We can end up in some pretty bad places. How many guys, the worst thing that ever happened to you probably had a lot to do with not listening to what God said to you? Like, I sin when I allow my mind to justify what my spirit and the word of God is telling me is wrong. 
but I'm the exception to that rule. And God's merciful, and I just, just I, I'm late for the appointment, so the speed of sound seems reasonable through the school zone. Make sense? But the, the place we're going to camp out today, because I think this is probably more germane to our culture and society today, was someone asked, well, what is sin? I think this is a good place for us to stop and talk. And it's, there's no recognition of God. That, that, you know, I don't recognize him. I, I don't know who he is. If there is one, I don't think there is one. Yeah, the, those who claim a, a faith in some creator or some God or some whatever is diminishing humanism or uh, humanities professors. And I, I know that if you're a professor, your job is to challenge former beliefs so that people can embrace their own, whatever those may be. But I, but I do think that, that if someone says, well, what is sin? They're really talking about this. If, if there is a God, what right does he have to tell me what to do? And I don't even think there is a God. If there is, then why has he gone to such great lengths to conceal himself? Why not just appear in the clouds and go, hey, don't touch that woman, <laughs> you know? Like, make it plain. And what Paul is going to do as an expert lawyer in Romans chapter 1, he's going to make the case that God has made it plain. So plain, in fact, that men are without excuse. And, and I just want to tell you, today's sermon is rated R. And I don't mean like I'm going to get graphic here, but I mean this. Like, there, it requires a certain maturity to hear the argument he's making. And maturity, I don't just mean maturity like, oh, we're going to talk about sexual sin, but maturity in the sense that we're not going to arrive at a conclusion that just judges others. But how many of us know the word of God is for us to judge ourselves as well? Right? So let's take a look at this. Paul's going to break down his case like a lawyer. And again, Romans 1 and all of Scripture is not to, to prove something we want to see, and it's not to preserve something we want to stay. It's, it's, to, it's to trust someone we want to know. The purpose of Scripture is to trust someone that we want to know. So he's going to start his argument with, he's just going to roll in nice and slow, with the wrath of God. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth, how? By their, do we see this today? Now, if you stand up for righteousness, it's not uncommon that what would happen was a world around you would say, hey, you know, you're this or you're that, or what do you do with this person's story, or that church that went under, or that Christian leader, or that political stance. How many of you guys know Jesus wasn't a politician? With all the questions are asked, we don't necessarily have to have answers for because Scripture has already answered them for us. So the wrath of God, what does he mean by wrath? There's a difference between the wrath of God and the judgment of God. The, the wrath of God is there's going to be some consequences that, that a just God is going to bring into your circumstance. So there's going to be some pain. How many of you guys have ever felt pain because you made a wrong decision? Come on, say amen, or I'll preach all day. I'm morning. It's Father's Day. I'll preach all day. It's my day. I'll preach all day, right? <laughs> Not that I'm your father, but yeah, anyway. So the, the, the consequences, though, are different than the judgment. The judgment of God is final. The wrath of God is producing pain for the purpose of repentance. So the greater the sin, what can we anticipate? The greater the... The pain. So the hope here is repentance, not damnation. And he says, since what may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them. Well, some would argue, well, if God has made it plain, then why has he gone to such great lengths to conceal himself? Why, why the secret? Why can't I see him? If he's God, why don't you just show up and blow up? And I'll, I'll believe. And so Paul explains that. He says, this is how we can see him. For since the creation of the world, everybody see creation. That which is coming from somewhere or someone or something since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities. What does he mean by that? His, his eternal power. For instance, get a telescope, shoot it up into space so we can see farther before, no light pollution, no humidity, nothing to block the view of the heavens. And what you'll see is endless. It goes and goes and goes and goes. You say, well, no, there's a limit to space. I would say then what is it that limits space? And then what's on the other side of that which is limiting it? 
Like, that is the end of all existence, that wall. I said, well, if that's the end of it, what's on the other side of it? In other words, space is eternal, his eternal power. What about his divine nature? Do you know that in the human eye, in order to see, it's, it's miracle after miracle after miracle of technology and, and uh, drafting and design and construction. Uh, was it 100 million optic nerves in the eye, independent from the brain, have to all find each other, and A has to hook up to A, and B has to hook up to B in order for you to see. And then everything we see is inverted by the brain because what you actually see is an upside-down image. I didn't know that until I got my eye fixed, and all of a sudden there's, there's water up here and there's air down here. Like, what's going on? I, I, are you sure you did the right job, doctor? Because everything seems to be up and down. He, goes, he said, no, your, your brain will figure out how to re- invert that back. And it's like, how many of you guys know when your right eye is doing one thing, your left eye is doing something? Your stomach generally has an opinion about it, right? So I, it's like Cedar Point nonstop. But, but all of this is happening. You say, well, that's, that's God's divine nature. Look, look how, you say he's gone to such great lengths to conceal himself. I would say just the opposite. I think he's gone to such great lengths to reveal himself through creation. There is so much intelligence in the design of us and it and them and those that for us to say, well, it's a wonderful series of mistakes. It's a wonderful series of mutations. I'm, I'm not debating evolution. I, I don't have time to do that, but I, I've read Darwin's works. I've read all the works that I could find until I, I couldn't find anything new on either side of the debate, and I've concluded that it does require faith to believe both evolution and creation. There's, there's an element of I just have to, I have to fill in some blanks to get here. Say, so, no, it, it's a law. It's a fact. Well, I'll give you that. Let's, let's say everything is goo to you by way of the zoo. But where'd the goo come from? And if you say, well, I, I arrived at a conclusion, I want you to do my taxes next year. When you find the number I want, you stop, regardless of where you started in the equation. So and I just, just to, a further to challenge the importance of how important this is to see a creator so you can, you can see he's due something. If we're created and we have a creator, then he is due certain honors. Do you see that? You still with me? So understand this. The Mars rover Curiosity comes over the next hump of, of lifeless rock that's been there since who knows how long and suddenly as it comes over it envisions it sends back a picture to nasa a publicly owned company that has 20 uh public domain company that has 24 hours to reveal whatever comes its way to the the general public and as it comes over that there's a mousetrap on the face of mars now tomorrow's headlines will read one of two things number one mousetrap spontaneously erupts from lifeless matter over billions of years or i think we might have found Signs of intelligent life on Mars. You tell me, what's, what's tomorrow's headlines? It's intelligent life. And that's a four-piece mechanism. There's a base, there's a spring, there's a hammer, and there's a scandal on. There's a, there's a trigger. And, and understand that the, your ability to hear consciousness, to see what your brain's doing, is far more complex than four mechanisms. And yet when we found a mousetrap on Mars, we said there must be Martians. Where's Matt Damon? He's got to be here somewhere, right? So... He says this, he says that, that men who choose not to see a creator don't have excuse for not obeying him. That's, that's a legal argument, and I think he's done it quite well. For although they knew God, you say, wait a minute, how do, how do they know God? Well, think of it today. Apart from theology and creation story, John Locke, mid-1600s, starts talking about this concept of self-evident truth. In other words, that which does not need proof because it just simply is. We, we have Thomas Jefferson in the, in the what, uh, mid to late 1700s that took that, talked about self-evident truth and our Declaration of Independence, and also talked about cre- uh, creation and creation's God. 
Well, how did they get there? They wasn't saying the Jewish God or the Muslim God or the Hindu gods or the... He's just saying it's impossible for us to have a document governing mankind without mentioning the fact that we certainly are created beings. You say, well, we've learned a lot since then. Yeah, but if, if you look at like biology books and then you look at molecular biology books, you'll notice a, a distinct difference. Biology books speak a lot of evolution. Molecular biology books do not. Why is that? Because molecular biology is so irreducibly complex to imagine it to have happened by chance over and over and over again is unimaginable. So he's made, God, God is there. And, and he's not saying, well, I didn't know him. Nobody told me about him. I have an excuse. You have no excuse. Although they knew God, he goes on. You ready? They neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him. So if there's a creator and I am his creation, what is, what is the proper posture of my life to his? Does he have rights in my life? Is he connected to me? Am I connected to him? Does he have a way that I should learn, right? These people that Paul's about to describe chose to ignore their creator, and he's building a case for where sin comes from and, and all, as we are today as well, right? He says, but their thinking became futile, and their foolish hearts were darkened. You guys doing okay? So again, he's building this case. So their thinking became futile. Why? Well, because if there is no God, I'll just be him. Anybody ever been in Walmart? I mean, know where I'm going. After spending a week with hundreds of other people's children, let me conclude the matter. If children don't have parents, they've concluded that they are in charge of whatever environment they're in. And if people believe that there is no God, they behave the same way as the five-year-old in Walmart. That felt really good to say. <laughs> I just had to get it out. You know, thank you for coming to my, my therapy session, right? See, I, I just can't understand the murder of 11 million people. Adolf, why'd you do that? Well, because if there is no God, I'll just be God. Stalin, 20 million of your own people. How'd you do it? Well, if there is no God. Mao Zedong, 60 million of your own people. How could you do that? How could you sleep at night? Well, because I've taken on a role. Because in my mind, I've, I've grown so dark and foolish and futile, I've concluded that if there is no God, I'll just be him. And no matter what it costs humanity, I will take his place, Right? Look at this, although they claim to be wise, and we all do in one way or another, they became fools. They exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal human beings, birds, animals, reptiles. And I think what Paul's trying to say here is we all have a need to worship, don't we? So I, I you know, I'm just kind of conservative in worship, but I saw you at the Michigan basketball game. Woo, go blue! Well, you know, it isn't that we don't worship, sometimes we just don't worship God. Sometimes we worship money. Sometimes we worship fame. Sometimes we worship power. Sometimes we worship what's on the news. How do you know that? I mean, I've walked into people's houses. They're almost like on their knees burning candles watching Fox or MSNBC. I shouldn't have said Fox first, but you know what I mean. Today it may have been written because they, they, they chose not to see God, they became worshipers of other things like social media, like politics. Come on, like money. And, and Paul is going to get to a, a list and a litany of, of sins at the end of his argument, but he's going to focus on a few things. But before he gets there, look at this. He says, therefore. Now, when you see the word therefore in Scripture, what's the question? Come on, what's the therefore? What's it therefore? It's, it's there because he, he's, he's summing up this argument to build it into the next, right? It's connective tissue. So review what he just said. God is plainly seen through creation. No one has any acceptable excuse. Men willingly ignored God and chose to worship other things. And so now what Paul's going to do is this. Now, please hear me. What Paul's going to do is this. He's going to set us up to understand where sex predators come from. 
It's going to set us up to understand where people who sell other people's children by the hour and those who buy those children by the hour come from. He's going to tell us where drug dealers and gang leaders and pimps. He's going to tell us where Pharisees come from. He's going to tell us where Sadducees come from. Because how many of you guys know sometimes a sin is not just in the overt sinful way. Sometimes we can sin in the conservative way as well. I was glad you got amen that. I had to yell at you later. So here we go. So this is what happens. If you choose not to recognize God, God's going to turn up the heat with consequences. Here we go. God gave them over. And the phrase God gave them over is as, as if I arrested you and then brought you to the county jail and I turned you over to. God turned them over to. You've been arrested. There's been conviction. Turn them over to sinful desires of their hearts, their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served created things rather than the creator who's forever praised. Amen. Everybody say amen. So what's he saying? He's going to go through three levels of judgment as people ignore the pain and the consequences of sin. And this is level one. Level one is simply this. If what you want is you rather than me, I'll give you you. I'm going to turn you over to that. You you are going to have the opportunities to do whatever you want with your body. But understand this. There will be consequences to your soul when you give your body away to somebody. There will be consequences to your body if in the forms of disease or regret. There's going to be consequences in your life. Maybe your parents' dream for you wasn't to live with 14 people before marriage. Maybe their dream for you was for you to fall in love once and be happily married for an entire lifetime. What I'm saying is this. I, I, people are getting convicted already. I don't mean to convict you or condemn you. I, meant, I mean to instruct you. We're not trying to prove a point. We're not trying to preserve a point. We're trying to, we're trying to understand someone's heart so that we can know him. God gave them over, level one. Now look at this, and I, I just want you to get this thought here, is that God allowed the hardening of conscience to create the pain of consequence for the purpose of repentance. Guys, I've heard people, I've heard terrible theology. Oh, something happened. Well, God's getting even with it. You must have said a naughty word in third grade. Like God's walking around playing whack-a-mole with his creation. <laughs> you cheer for Ohio State, whack, whack, whack. Good to have you back, Dan. It's been a while. I, I don't think God's trying to play whack-a-mole with anybody, but he does create the circumstances where at one point or another we go, you know what? When I was a child, I knew peace, and now I don't know any. When I was a child, I felt loved, and now I feel used and like a user. When, when, I, when my grandmother used to hold me on her lap and feed me those muffins and let me taste grandpa's coffee, and it tasted like licking grandpa's ashtray. You know what I mean? Back in the good old days. I, I, I don't know. I, I just... Since I grew up, it's like, it's like Christmas doesn't have magic and Easter is about bunnies. I just, I don't know, I just, I feel lost. Yes, go with that feeling because it's true, right? Now look at this. Because they didn't repent at this stage, level one, God gave them over to shameful lust. What's the difference between the natural lust and the shameful lust? And this is where during this month especially, I, I just, I want to be extraordinarily careful. Look, look at me in the eye right now. Have you ever known me to hate anyone? Does this church ever express hatred towards anyone for any reason? I have stood on this platform and done a funeral with a child that was tortured to death in its mother's presence by a boyfriend, and we put her behind that one-way glass so she could come to this church to watch her child's funeral, even though she went to prison for that murder. If you could find someone that we didn't love then I will greatly and humbly ask for forgiveness. But son of a gun, I'm sick of getting called a, a hater when I'm not a hater. I'm tired of the Bible being called a document of hate when it's a document of revelation and love. 
So what I'm about to say, or what Paul's about to say, it, it's, it's, not, it's not discrimination. It's, dis, it's disagreement. And we can disagree lovingly. And if you can teach me something that I don't know about this, I'll come back next week and humbly apologize for all that I'm about to say. But if you can't correct me from the scriptures, and you can't correct the attitude of my heart, and you can't correct the track record of this church, then what's left is for you to decide whether or not we're all lunatics, we're all liars, or we're all in relationship with the Holy Lord. So now they're heading towards a new level from the common sexual stuff to the unnatural. It says even their, their women exchange natural sexual relations for unnatural ones. And in the same way, the men also abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. Men committed shameful acts. Everybody say shameful acts. That's an important word. We always say shame off you. But, but in this case, God's saying, no, these acts actually, actually produce shame. What is shame? Shame is when you or me look at me differently than God created me to be. I, what I did is who I am. What I'm doing is who I am. I'm ashamed of that. We, we hide because of shame. We build fig leaves because of shame. Sometimes we build communities because of shame. When, when I was an alcoholic, I didn't go to church. Why? Because if you walk in drunk to church, you're a drunk. So where did I go? Every Friday night, every Saturday night. Come on, where did I go? I went to the bar. Why? Because if I'm drunk in a room full of drunk people, I'm normal. And if I'm drunk in a room full of sober people, I'm a drunk. And in the same way, we can produce communities that would, that would celebrate things that, that God is saying, please, sweetie, please, sir, please, ma'am, please consider this. Now, this homosexuality um, and sexual sin, it's low-hanging fruit. In other words, when, when Paul is dealing with the Gentile and Jewish believers in Rome, the, this is the book of Romans, so he's talking to Roman people, this would have been a mutually agreed upon, easy-to-conclude standard. Now, Paul could have just as easily said greed... Also a sin, right? But how do you know when you're greedy? Versus how do you know when you've committed adultery? Like, oh, you're not my wife. Like, that never happened, right? So, oh, oh, sorry to bump into you, ma'am. I apologize. So he found a sin, not the sin. He found a sin that was, that was emblematic, easily agreed upon, and repulsive to his audience. Genesis chapter, I'm sorry, Romans chapter 1. He, he gets us all stirred up about them. Genesis, or Revelation. Romans chapter 2, thanks thanks for preaching my sermon since I wasn't doing a good job. Romans chapter 2, he says, oh, they're bad. Romans chapter 1, by the way, you stink too. Romans chapter 3, he gets us the conclusion that all have sinned. If the standard is God's glory, come on, let's not even pretend. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. So understand this, that when there are certain sins that are socially acceptable, we have mercy for those things because we as well have been through this. Some young man comes to me and says, man, I'm really struggling with pornography. I, I taught a seminar once at a men's conference, and I, I opened it by, by saying 94% of men admit to struggling at one time or another in their life with pornography. And the shocking part of that statistic is that 6% of the men lied. Right? So, so that, that, that thought, but what they say, yeah, but it's not that. I really got this thing for children. What's supposed to have a natural lust and unnatural lust? That makes sense? Can we agree that the sexual predation of children is wrong? Low-hanging fruits, doing what Paul's doing. So here, here's the thing. So I, I have a friend, and he's a dear friend, and I trust him. But when he was a child, his first sexual encounter was with an adult man when he was a kid. There was shame. He couldn't talk to anybody about it. It was difficult. And as he grew through puberty, the natural 
lusts, the natural desires, only had one frame for sexuality, and that was with children. Now, he was the man, and there were children. He never touched a child. He never harmed a child. But he was only stimulated or aroused. The dopamine hit only came when he looked at children, and he became someone who dealt in, received, and gave child pornographic material. Now, I'm not justifying. I'm not vilifying. I'm simply saying this. Because most of us have never dealt with that, it's easy for us to look at him and say, shame, am I right? This is what he's doing. God's saying there are natural lusts. We go, well, you know, boys will be boys, sow your oats. I used to be 16, you know, the junior year of high school was the hardest four years of my life. But when it comes to kids, you go, whoa, dude. What happens to relationships when that comes out? Which it did. Ghost team came, took his computer, he went to jail for it. He got out. He repented before his community. He repented before his family. He repented before his church. Today he's been restored and he counsels sex addicts, particularly those who have the story that he had. God redeemed the story beautifully. Does this make sense? So let me just, let me just say this though. If he had just been the normal stuff, he would never would have repented, would have taken it with him into marriage, probably would have been 50, 60, 70, 80 years old, still doing the same thing. So if you won't repent, what does God in his love do? He turns the heat up until such a time as there's enough pain to create the hope for repentance. Are you still here? By the way, if that happens, what they don't need is a judgmental community saying, you're gross, you're weird, you're bad. What they need is a people saying, you know what, there but for the grace of God. Welcome to healing. This is the house that love built, not judgment. This is, this, is the lo- this is the house that is built on mercy and truth and love, and my sin is as great as yours. Paul, the apostle, he writes three quarters of our New Testament books. You know what he calls himself in Scripture more often than anything else besides an apostle? The chief of what? Sinners. So this thought that, well, yeah, they're just, but I am like, be careful, Pharisee. I mean, uh, Bob, Phil, Fred, whatever your name is. Be careful that your pedigree doesn't become your identity because all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You guys still here? So for some, believe it or not, even after the shameful stuff, which could be shameful greed, it could be shameful anger, it could be shameful lust, it could be shameful all kinds of stuff. This is low-hanging fruit. That's why I was using the example. You still here? Well, why would the Bible can stop? The Bible condemns sin. It does not condemn sinners who repent. What is repentance? It's turning back to the truth, right? So look at this. But for some, there's still no repentance. So he goes, furthermore, just as they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, so God, here's that word, gave them over to this last horrible stage called a reprobate mind, a depraved mind. And I remember I first, I read that for years and thought, okay, this is the guy I'm talking to on the streets in South Phoenix. This is a guy that's got a beard, long fingernails, always saliva in his beard. And oh, yeah, he's demon-possessed and he, he's addicted. And he's, you know, that's what I thought a depraved mind was. Do you know that a depraved mind simply means a person no longer able to discern right from wrong? That's wrong. Well, not for me, it's not. Hey, that's right. No, not for me, it's not. They, they, uh, they, they adjust their conscience regardless of circumstances, regardless of consequences. They adjust what God has put in their life to create repentance until they don't want to. So let me just ask you this. Where do drug dealers come from? They, they make these adjustments one step at a time. I used to deal drugs, by the way, so I, I'm not, this isn't theology, this is testimony. Why did I deal drugs? Because I was doing drugs. The best way to have enough drugs for you to enjoy with you and your friends every weekend, every weekday, every weeknight, every week morning, until I can't go to school without it, can't come home from school without it, 
What is that? The best way to get that is to do what with drugs? Anybody know? Sell them. Everybody knew. Well, that's a great congregation. Congratulations. All right, good. I'll be visiting you in prison soon. But I, that, you, you, we know this because many of us were there. The best way to do what I want to do is to sell and increase, right? Sex traffickers, where do they come from? One degree of separation from their conscience, one degree of ignoring consequences, one degree of risk until such a time as somebody goes, it wasn't personal, it was just business. Oh, I sold someone's child for sex to a predator because it was for money. Oh, that makes it better. You hear what I'm saying? Happy Father's Day. You guys glad you came today? Isn't this awesome? You're like, dude, give me a cookie. Let me out of here, right? <laughs> take, take it another step farther. 300-pound man wakes up one day and goes, you know what I'd like to do? I'd like to put on huge prosthetic breasts, put a huge colorful wig on my head, paint my face like a kabuki dancer, and read books about sex to five-year-olds. You go, huh? How'd you get there? Well, you, you got there one step at a time. You're talking about drag queen story hour? Of course I am. I'm not masking that. But also, let me say this. A guy walks in next week with a dress on, I'm the first person to hug him. And you better be right behind me. Dr. John Money, 1965, two twins are born. Both males, eight months later, they go in for the circumcision. They were experimenting with some new technology of an electroscalpel or something that cauterized as it also, you know, incised. And uh, they mutilated this poor eight-month-old baby boy's uh, penis to the place where it was, it was gone. So you have a male, you have a, a mutilated male. Dr. John Money had postulated that gender was something that was fluid, that it wasn't nature that created the gender identity, it was nurture. And so they went to John Hopkins from uh, Nova Scotia, Canada. They met with an expert. He said, well, yeah, it's obviously little boys can be girls and little girls can be little boys. He said, how did you, how did you arrive there? How did, how did you get there? What ends up happening as the little boy, now dressed in dresses with, puberty blocking uh, hormones and with surgical castration and the development now of female breasts because of the estrogen, never really felt like a girl. And he complained to his teachers, complained to his parents. Um, what was going on? His mother commits suicide because of the shame and guilt. At 15 years old, another counselor convinces the father, you need to tell your child that he was born a, a male even though you've dressed him in dresses and given him estrogen. He was shocked. He said, this makes sense. And it wasn't much longer after that. He reversed surgically as best they could. The fat was undone. They had a double mastectomy. They sewed on a prosthetic device that, that made him appear to be male in many ways, though not functioning. But can you, can you understand, like, how did that happen? Well, it happened because somebody had a theory. And they practiced it on eight-month-old babies. The, the, the mutilated child was forced to be in a submissive sexual role to the, the male child in his presence. Once a year, they go visit Dr. Money would have them engage in sexual play. Five-year-olds, six-year-olds, seven. And I just, part of me goes, why is that dude not in jail? He reached 24 years old. And he just, he put a gun in his mouth one night and he killed himself. And, and what shocks me is what took him so long. He was the Frankenstein's monster of some other monster and I'm just, I'm just trying to say something to you guys. Please hear me. I, I am, again, if, if I've established a pattern of hatred, then please dismiss my words as just a, an angry old white dude. But if I haven't, can we agree that sometimes sin has consequences? And we as the light of the world and the salt of the earth need to know the difference between what is sin and what is not sin. You with me? Let me just, one last example about a reprobate mind. 
how in the world do the, the Pharisees look at the Son of God and call him the devil? When, when he is doing miracles in the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and they go, like walk out and go, I'm going to kill that guy. Let me tell you something. You can be religiously reprobate as much as you can be worldly reprobate. You can be so removed from the heart of God religiously that your heart is seared and the consequences of your actions and judgments are in such a way that it produces absolutely no fruit, just shame and pain. So Paul's going to close this point. You guys still here? Paul's going to close this point by saying this. It's not just the sex stuff. It's not just the homosexual stuff. But look at this. They become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, depravity. They're full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. They're gossips, which I heard some of you guys, I mean, through the grapevine, you're struggling with this. We had to have a joke in there, right? Because it was like, okay, mutilating children. Make a joke, make a joke, right? Um, They're slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, boastful. They invent ways of doing evil, and then they sell it on eBay and talk about it on social media. They disobey their parents. They have no understanding, no fidelity, no love, no mercy. Although they know, how do they know? Because God's revealed himself. They know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death. They not only continue to do these very things, but they also approve. They also create community. They also create clubs. They also create online chats. They also create gangs. They also create churches. Because I want to hate everybody, but people have the same skin color I do. How do I justify that? Let's make a church. We don't worship the one hung on a cross. We burn it in people's yards. That's just as much a reprobate mind as anything else, right? And, I, and he says this, please hear me. That's not like, look how bad they are. It's like, look how much pain they're in. What's, what's that person's mama think of them? What happened to their romantic relationships when they behave that way? Their business dealings. Does anyone want to do any business with that guy? Anybody want that girl babysitting your kids? Anybody want to marry that person? What he's saying is this. You can get to a place where you are such a dumpster fire that if you don't then cry out for a savior, I don't understand it. Instead of being proud, you should be humbled and come back to the God who loves you. This is literally hell on earth. This is hell on earth. Remember, this is the wrath of God. I want to close. Worship team, join me. I mean, you guys be glad when this day is over with. Who's speaking next week? <laughs> uh, oh, thank God. It's a kingdom builder Sunday. Good. God, looking forward to that, right? Um, that's 12 inches. You agree? 12 inches. Okay. What, what is truth? Truth is 12 inches is a foot. But you know what? I think there's a different way, a better way. So I, I think this is a foot. Is that a foot? Come on. Is that a foot? No, that's a foot. Well, you know what? I, I think that it really should be this way. What's that? Is that a foot? No, that's a foot. And what happens is you say, what is sin? What is sin? Someone comes to you and says, what is sin? What is sin? What is sin? I would say this is the answer to us, right? What is sin? Sin is the willful choice to live outside of God's plan and purpose for your life. This is truth. This, this is human rights. This is marriage. This is raising your kids. This is prayer. This is worship. This is fellowship. This is. Well, I think it's this. Just because we made it 24 inches, it, it no longer is the right standard of measurement. Does that make sense? But no, I think it's this, the Pharisee said. It's not. It's not this, and it's not this. 12 inches is a foot. And so I, I just want to say this to you guys. Hear me. How many of you guys recognize by now we all need a Savior? 
Sin is an equal opportunity to destroy her, man. It does not give a flying furry rat's rear end who your daddy was or if you don't know your daddy. Sin does not care your socioeconomic status. Sin is a constant prowling lion. It's a, it's a, it's a thief. It's a murderer. It's a destroyer. And it looks for people who will say, you know what? I, the Bible says this, but, you know, times have changed. The Bible says this, and I'm so afraid of doing this, I'm doing this. Hear me. Phariseeism and axe murdering. Both problems. You still here? So what is sin? Would you read that with me? The question is, what is sin? What's our answer? Come on, say it with me. Sin is the willful choice to live outside of God's plan and purpose for your life. That's what it is. Sins of commission, sins of omission, what we do, what we don't choose not to do. So I just, closing, let me just think of this, okay? Don't raise your hand, but is anybody here living in the dynamics of a merciful judgment right now? The wrath of God, that, that, that pain that occurs when we say, well, for me, this is now a foot. No, for me, this is now a foot. Anybody, don't raise your hand, but you're living in that, not, not you're going three miles an hour over the speed limit. That's, that's just being prudent with your time, you know? But, but, you know, when it comes to the things he's mentioned, greed, pride, the arrogance, sexual purity, fellowship, recognizing God. If you don't understand this, just because we say this is a foot, it doesn't make it a foot. Well, this is a foot. doesn't make it a foot. It just limits and explodes the life that God has for each of us to live. It's called the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And I, I will say this lovingly, but as a warning, if you don't listen to the conscience God has given you, a scriptural balance of truth, then God has no choice but to arrest you and turn you over to another level that has greater pain and then arrest you and turn you over to another level that has greater pain and then arrest you and turn you over so that there's, there's absolutely no joy there's no peace. There's no one left. Just users and abusers. And these people can be in a church. These people can be in a bar. These people can be on the dark web. These people can be your neighbors. Maybe even these people can be us. But would you search your heart today before we leave? You guys okay? Deer in a headlight kind of a sermon. Before you leave this room, David had this beautiful prayer. God, if there's any way in me, that just ain't right. Search me and know me and show me. Search me and know me and show me so that I can say goodbye to sin and hello to you. Father, I pray that in this room as we close our time together, yeah, you'd bless the dads. An odd sermon for Father's Day, but if fathers need anything, it's truth today. You're going to protect kids and raise them and train them to be warriors, train them to be peace lovers, to train them to be pure in a dark world, God. And you're going to have to know the truth. Culture makes 72 inches a foot or three inches a foot, but there's 12 inches in your foot. So, Father, I pray that today you give dads and all of us a right understanding, a right standing and a right understanding. There's anybody here now, God, that's like, man, I've been messing up. I know it. Maybe you're not in enough pain yet. I'm going to make you two promises. Return to God and feel the relief of the weight of sin. Don't turn to God. And you're asking him to turn up the heat in your life. 
If you're not right with God, come on, right now. Jesus, forgive me. I was wrong. I tried to make 14 inches 12. I tried to make 8 inches 12. It's, it's, I'm not. That's wrong. God, help me. I humble myself before my merciful creator, and I ask for your best to be revealed in my life. In the land of the living, God, let me live for you. <laughs> in the land of the living, let me show people what it looks like to love Jesus, to love my family, to love my community. I pray, God, if anybody misunderstood or if I, if I misspoke, I pray, God, that you would continue to speak even in my ear. If there's any truth in this, let it, let it be a seed that's planted in the ground that produces fruit, fruit that lasts. We love you, God. I pray, Jesus, over our land. Join me right now. We have, Father, we pray over our nation. We pray over our community, our state, our leaders, our president. We pray, God, over the Supreme Court, senators, governors, congressmen. God, we pray, Jesus, may the, may the world, may, may those that have responsibility for leadership know that 12 inches is a foot. May there be deep and lasting repentance, God. We see it every time a, people fly planes into buildings, our, our nation remembers how to pray. Y2K, our nation falls their knees. Oh, God, they're in fear. Let, help us, help ourselves. Let me go right back, just like Israel. Oh, we need a king. We're going to lose a war, and then everything's okay, and we forget you, God. Don't let us be like that. We don't want another disaster. We want, we want a beautiful thing to happen in everybody's life. Let the glory of the Lord cover the earth like the waters cover the seas. We thank you for this time in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen. All right. Stand to your feet, if you would, please. Before you leave this room, I want you to find somebody and just give them a hug and just say, are you okay? That was a pretty rough one. You all right? You okay? And then you're going to be all right. They're going to be all right. You are dismissed. God bless you. You need prayer? We got altar workers up here ready to go.